Hello, hello. How are you? Oh my gosh. First of all, I want to say thank you so much for this opportunity to share my story with you. I'm so excited and so excited for what you're doing with your incredible platform. So thank you again. For anybody who doesn't know who I am, which is most people, uh, my name is Sandra Chuma and I am the founder of Ndini Media and our whole mandate, everything that we do, everything that we're passionate about over on Ndini Media is sharing the stories of inspiring trailblazing women of African descent. And through sharing those stories, we hope that you'll be inspired and uplifted and that you'll want to create change in your own life. So again, thank you for this wonderful opportunity. I am so grateful. And with that, I'm going to head right to the questions. You gave me a list of questions that you want me to answer. So here goes. Question number one is, how are you today? Oh my gosh, you know, before COVID, before this pandemic that we're all going through, that would have just been like, yeah, sure, fine. But that question has taken such importance in the season that we're in. And I I hope that people are asking each other that question and asking each other that question from the perspective of actually wanting to know, how am I today? I am really well. I truly am well. I am happy. I am grateful for all that I have. And I'm grateful as well, as I said, for this opportunity. So I am happy is how I am today. You asked question number two. You said, Ndini, woman on fire, marriage, mentoring. How do you do it all? I don't. (laughs) I am like anybody else struggling to balance it all, to juggle it all, to make time for it all. But one of the things that I have learned is that when something is important to you, you find the time, you make the time. And so for me, the work that I do with Ndini is so important to me, truly fills me up. And it's something that I'm so passionate about. The work that I do with Woman on Fire and now with a new brand that we're just launching called Worthy, that fills me up, that inspires me. And family is so important to me. So it's important for me to make time, but it is a challenge. I think As with anybody else, you know, there's so much demand on our time, so much demand for us to be here, there, and everywhere. And so what it's really become for me is prioritizing, prioritizing the things that are important to me, prioritizing as well, making time for friendships and relationships, and prioritizing time for myself and taking care of myself and feeding my spirit. You want to know when the lights are off and the crowd is gone, who is Sandra Chuma? Well, um, first of all, I my hope, my hope, I don't know because you never see yourself how other people see you. My hope is that who I am when I'm home with my husband and just in my pajamas is the same as the Sandra who's on a stage speaking, is the same as the Sandra who's doing interviews, is the same as the Sandra who's standing here in this moment. I really, truly strive to be me. I don't know how to be anything other than me. So I feel like what you see is what you get. There is no facade. There is no mask that I put on. I'm not on stage and then off stage. I don't have an on screen persona and then an off screen. This is me. Quirks and all. My team will tell you I'm the goofiest, silliest um, (laughs) person there is. 
this is me. I don't know how to be anything other than me. <laughs> you asked, if you could freeze one moment in your lifetime, what time would that be and why? Oh, gosh, this one makes me a little bit sad. Gosh, I actually have tears now. <sighs> My father died very unexpectedly last year. Um, I spoke to him on Father's Day, on the Sunday of Father's Day. And two days later, I got a call to say that my dad had died. And if I could go back in time, I, do, I don't have, I really don't have regrets in my life because I feel like everything leads to where you're supposed to be and everything is a learning and everything is a lesson and everything happens exactly as it's supposed to happen. But if I could freeze one moment, it would be with my dad. Um, I don't know that it actually be my last conversation with him, although in many ways it was an incredibly meaningful conversation when I look back on it. At the time, it was just another Father's Day call. Um, but he said things to me that in hindsight, I'm like, did you know you were going to die? Like things that were just so profound in that moment. But if I could freeze one moment in time, there was a moment in time, there was nothing that filled my father's heart up with more joy than being in his fields. He loved farming. That was his thing. He could be in his fields from sunrise to sunset. And there was a time, I hate farming, <laughs> but there was a time when I had gone to visit, actually my husband and I and my daughter had gone to visit and we went and he was proudly showing us his crop. His crop had done really well that year. And then when he, he was done with the tour, we sat to eat. And I'm not sure what happened or how it happened, but we somehow found ourselves, just me and him. And we sat there eating and having a conversation. And so if I could go back, if I could relive a moment in my life, it would be that day and that moment with my dad. He taught me so much. I mean, just to, just, you know, uh, just to reflect on my dad and his life and what he meant to me. I was incredibly close with my dad. And so I really was devastated when he died and, and especially with him dying so unexpectedly and so suddenly. But there's so many lessons that he gave me throughout my life. There are so many things that he taught me that I hold on to. And one of the greatest lessons that he taught me was he always would say to me, to she who much is given, much is required. And he said that your success will never have true meaning unless your success is about helping others, unless your success is about uplifting others, giving opportunity to others. And so that really has become, you know, part of the work that I do with Ndini, the work that I do with Woman on Fire, as well as this new brand that we're creating called Worthy. It is all about how can we share? How can I share? I, I recognize the privilege that comes with being who I am and the opportunities that I have had in life. And so my obligation is really how can I use that to share, to lift up, to bring with me, to, to send a ladder down for my sisters, um, my sisters being my African sisters, and how can we all 
progress because as as you know in in my culture I'm from Zimbabwe there is a word called ubuntu which means really translated that whole philosophy is i am because you are and so when i hurt you hurt and when you hurt i hurt and when i am happy you are happy and when you have i have and so that is definitely something that i carry with me and some of the lessons that i learned from my father Okay, on to question number five. When did you decide I need to start telling empowering stories and what has kept you on this journey? Well, I think I just kind of sort of answered that question (laughs) before by telling you that really who I am and so much of what I am has been inspired by where I'm from. I am uh, in, in my country, in Zimbabwe, where I'm from, we have a saying that says, which means son of the soil, daughter of the soil. And so even though I've left Zimbabwe, I don't live in Zimbabwe permanently. I go there very often, but I don't live there anymore permanently. It is in me. And that culture and that upbringing, that whole desire to uplift others is something that was ingrained in me. You know, for me to to be who I am is because of the sacrifices of so many people, so many people who, who, who sacrificed so that they could uplift me, so that they could inspire me. And so that is definitely part of what I carry with me and part of what has inspired the brands that I've built, whether it being Dini, Woman on Fire, or Worthy. All right, so on to the next one, question number six. Did you ever struggle with low esteem or an addiction? And how did you heal? I've never had an addiction in the sense of how, I guess, society would define addiction. But I most definitely have struggled with low self-esteem. And part of that, too, came from where I came from. You know, as I said, I'm from Zimbabwe. And growing up, I grew up in um, a country at the time that I was born, Zimbabwe was a segregated country. So the constitution of my country at that time said that because I was a little black girl, my life was worth less than other people. And so it's hard when you grow up with that, when you, you, you see others being treated differently to feel like you belong, to feel like you are worthy. And so that was something that I really struggled with. And as well as you can imagine, growing up in a, in a country where there was colonial rule, um, again, segregated, where we were taught, whether it was explicitly or implicitly, that there were some races that were superior. And so that was something that I carried with me, even after we gained independence. It's still our culture and just the way we were structured perpetuated that. And then, of course, I, I moved then to the UK, I moved to Canada, I, moved, I lived in the United States. And in all of those places, whether it be explicit or whether it be covert, there were levels of racism or levels of discrimination based on the color of my skin. And so that sometimes led me to question my worth, to question whether I belonged And I'd say that the place where I felt it most was in my days in corporate life. So I graduated from university and started a career as a management consultant. 
And first of all, I was in a world where very few people of color, um, most places I was the only black person. I was the only black woman. And so just by nature of things like that, where you walk into a meeting room and there's an assumption that, oh, you must be the secretary here to take notes. And then you have to correct people and say, no, I'm actually the consultant who, who's here to facilitate this workshop or this discussion. And then having people kind of make, I guess, judgments about how you got there that, oh, you're just here because of affirmative action. It really led me at times in corporate to, to question myself, to question my worth, to question my abilities, my skills. And I found that sometimes very challenging. Um, and so it's work that I've had to do to recognize that, no, I, I deserve a seat at the table. I deserve to be here. I am here based on my qualifications, not based on any affirmative action, not based on anything other than my skill. And so that's something that I definitely have had to fight um, to overcome over the years. All right. Number seven. Uh, question number seven says, you're always bold and beautiful. <laughs> I don't look like this when I wake up in the morning, but you're always bold and beautiful, Sandra. Every picture, every video, everything has so much energy. What's the secret? There has to be a secret recipe. <laughs> the secret is, shh, don't tell anyone. I'm happy. Find something in your life that is your passion. Find something that brings you joy. Find something that lights you up and find something that puts you in a place of service. Because when you're being of service to other people, you cannot help but be lit up. I'm lit up from the inside. I, I don't know about the outside, but on the inside, truly what I do gives me so much joy. Um, what I do interacting with people, hearing their stories, just lights me up. And so that really is, is one of the greatest gifts I've been given is being able to do the work that I am doing now um, and being able to truly marry my passion with my purpose. Question eight, who are your top five power women and why these particular women? Whew. Okay, top five. <laughs> you know what? There are women who are in my life. I admire many women that are global figures, that are, you know, incredible powerhouses on the African continent, you know, who are names that you know. But the five women for me who are my beacon, who are the women that I admire, are the women who are in my life. Um, I'll tell you about my mother, who is an incredible woman, who has the biggest heart of anybody I know, who is resilient, who is brave, who is generous, who is just so many things that I admire. I'll tell you about my maternal grandmother, Chengeto, my mom's mom, who was an incredible woman. When I think about her, my memory of my grandma is just this beautiful, tall, statuesque woman who just dressed like in the most beautiful clothes and had always had these clutch handbags and wore her gloves. 
And yet she worked as a housemaid. My grandmother never had an education, never went to school, worked as a housemaid all of her life. Um, I think of my grandmother, Esther, my father's mother, who, like my other grandmother, never had an education, never had the opportunity to go to school until she was literally, I think, in her 60s. I think she might have been like 65. And our government in Zimbabwe um, instituted a program for adult learning. And I remember her going to, being so excited to go to grade one. And I remember when she'd come and visit and she'd bring her books and I'd read with her, you know, see, spot, run, Jack and Jill. And she was just so proud of herself. And yet these are women who, who raised me, who inspired me, who believed in a life bigger than what they could see but who instilled in me a bigger dream than they would ever be able to live. And I have so many aunties, so many, you know, in our African culture, at least in my country, I don't have the concept of aunties. Um, They're all my mothers. And so I have so many mothers who have inspired me, who I just watched go through the world with, with such grace, such dignity, such resilience. And so they truly are the women that I admire. And question nine, if you could speak to every African girl child, what would you say to them? I would say to them, you are infinite possibilities. You can do and be anything that you set your mind to. Anything that you can dream is possible for you. You just need to be committed. You just need to be disciplined. You just need to do the work. But you are infinite possibilities. That is what I would say to any child, girl, boy, is that your dreams do come true. I stand here as a girl who was raised in a mud hut with no running water, no electricity, who has gone on to work in Fortune 500 companies, with global companies, who has gone on to graduate with honors, top honors, top of my class from an Ivy League university, who has gone on to build businesses, who has gone on to achieve many things. And so if it's possible for me, it is possible for you. And the last question What is the most powerful lesson you have learned about purpose? I believe that purpose is the reason we are all here. That is the reason for our existence, is to find what is that thing? What is the reason? What is your reason for being? What is the thing that you were put on this earth? What is it that you were put on this earth to use your unique gifts, your unique gifting to bring to the world in service of others? That truly is my belief, is that we all come to this world with gifting. We all have talents that we are bestowed upon birth. And your job, your mission is to find what are those talents and how can you use those talents in the betterment of the world, in the betterment of life for your brothers and sisters in humanity. And I think that is it. Those are all the questions that you asked me. I say thank you again. Thank you for the work that you are doing to uplift, to inspire, to educate. 
I so appreciate it and I am so grateful to you for what you are doing. And I thank you for this opportunity to share a little bit about who I am.